You've heard of Benifer. You've heard of Bradgelina. Now get ready for Horimiya. We watched Horimiya, and we're here to answer the question, was it a kawaii disappointment? Hello everyone and welcome back to Quiet Disappointment, your weekly journey through the worlds of anime. With you as always is me, your host, producer, Weeb of All Trades, and purple-haired simp best friend, PJ. And me, your after-school 50s housewife, Skylar. Hey, joining us today as always is our dear friend and newest student at Katagiri High who's unsure why everyone has such wild hair colors, Lauren. Hi, I'm the friend who asks what? when you say that no one listens to you. All right, well, what indeed is the question as you ponder? Because this week we are continuing through Comedy Month with Horimiya. Horimiya is our first Gold Star anime of the year, uh, which Gold Star anime, if you missed the explanation during our end of the month wrap-up bonus episode over on Patreon, our anime that could be in our best of 2021 month in December if they weren't already a perfect fit in a different month, such as Horimiya here in Romance Month. It also doesn't necessarily mean there are best anime of the year, but more so critically acclaimed anime that have made it onto various best of 2021 lists. So there's no guarantee a Gold Star anime won't still be a kawaii disappointment. Yikes. That said, though, Lauren, Horimiya, like you said, what? Like I said, what? Um, <laughs> I'm going to apologize up front to everyone who speaks Japanese and or understands it because I just went based off of um, what it sounds like in English. I'm sure this is a name, but I've gotten shit before for just saying this is a name. I'm moving on in Inuyasha. So I had to come up with something. So listen, Hori Mia sounds like Mia who is a whore. So um, <laughs> she's a whore. <laughs> that Mia, she's pretty whorey. <laughs> So damn, what a left field. I was like, I wonder what she means by this. Like, oh, where like, is she gonna go? If just slut shaming Mia. Just it's not slut shaming Mia. It's like if I hadn't seen how it was spelled, that's what I would assume you were talking about. Which is, you know, that's what I heard. So that's uh, I think it's about a girl who has a reputation of being someone who sleeps around. But we're gonna see that she's actually not that way. Like an easy. Oh, it's situation. literally gonna be. It's literally gonna be Kimini Tadoke. But instead of her being scary, she's a slut. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> yes. thinks she's a slut, but she's actually not. She's actually not. She's actually really nice and sweet. <laughs> oh my god! And just you know, everyone oh thinks god. she's flirting all the time. She's just a nice person. <laughs> Hori Mia. <laughs> all right. Well. Fortunately, I feel like the poster gives a lot more away as to what this name means. It does. <laughs> so tell me, once you saw the poster, what did you think? Uh, I realized it was their names mashed together like a, a celebrity couple, and I was so embarrassed. But there's only two people on this poster, so at least that's, you know, I got that going for me, which is nice. I'm assuming Hori is the girl, because that's the name that is... Um, because under. she's so hoary. <laughs> oh my god! No. Because the text is um over her, so 
I don't know. I assume that's a, no. I mean, that's a good reason to assume this is a totally off-topic tangent. I'm going to go on yeah. for like ten seconds. I hate when you get like a movie poster, or TV poster, and there's like a row of people, but the names don't match on up. the top. Don't match up. Oh my god, that's so upsetting. I I wasn't in- initially. I saw this and I was like, okay, so Hori is the girl and Miyamura is the boy unless it's that thing where they don't match up the names and i'm gonna be pissed so i had the same exact thought pissed (laughs) so anyway um i'm assuming that hori is the girl she is like clinging on to this little boy and i can't tell what her facial (laughs) expression is so um i think she's run into him so she's a little clumsy but she's nice she's well-intentioned and just a little silly and then this is a, uh, a fun little silly goofy mood. Just a fun little silly goofy girl. <laughs> and then uh, Miyamura is the boy. He is very fun loving. He's very sweet, uh, very understanding, and he just loves his little clumsy girl. They're in school. All of these are in school. I've learned. Yeah, I mean, it's something that actually uh, came up recently in a discussion about Euphoria, the HBO show. I've heard a lot about it. We just saw the first episode. Which is the reason that it's so um, common for stories to take place in like high school is because it makes it so you can kind of tell any story, A, because you have a lot of people figuring themselves out. But also, it's like the only time in your life where you will have the amount of free time and emotional instability to tell dramatic, wide-spanning stories that ultimately mean nothing. Wow, that's very true. I've never realized that before. And you just, like, blew my mind. Oh, God. (laughs) But you know what, right? Like, in high school, like, all of these little things mean so much to you. But they ultimately mean nothing. And that's why you can tell so many stories about, especially about budding romances Mm -hmm. and about, like, discovering yourself as a person. Mm Mm-hmm fit so well in a high school stories and also again the free time for little melodrama to become all-consuming in your life listen yeah. listen lauren there's a oh, reason why okay. degrassi's been around since the 80s it's true <laughs> degrassi it's back, right well and and japan left, especially has a very oh. strong connection to school culture specifically degrassi uh, well that's what <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Japanese Degrassi. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but that said, um, that tangent aside, okay, totally agree with the character. I totally love the characterizations you've come up with here. Thank you. I'm very excited to see, you know, this romance, or maybe not a romance. Maybe it's a big, strong will they, won't they? We'll have to wait and see as we watch episodes one and two of Horimiya. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. I gotta go! (laughs) Wait, what's egg time? All right, we're back. We had Lauren watch episodes one and two of Horimiya. Lauren, tell me, what did you think? I thought that this was absolutely adorable. Um, I can see why it's so highly rated because even though it is the classic, like, will they, won't they, these two kids falling in love with each other, it feels different. You know, it feels more original. I completely agree. I have a lot of thoughts about what makes this anime so unique mm-hmm. in the space, mm-hmm. which we'll get to, but I also have like a lot of housekeeping to talk about with this. So we'll go through that real quick. So Horimiya is actually based on a webcomic called Horisan to Miyamura-kun, which was written by the mangaka Hiro. Uh, it ran in Gangan Comics Online from February 2007 to December 2011 for 10 volumes. 
A follow-up, Horisantu Miyamura-kun Omake, started in July 2012 and is still ongoing with a current 15 volumes. This webcomic is very, like, kind of crudely drawn. It's very minimalistic in its art style, but the story beats are all there. Like, it's still the same story. Under hero supervision, Daisuke Hagiwara adapted the webcomic into a serialized print manga series where it was renamed Horimiya and got the art style that we more so know it for now. It ran in monthly G-Fantasy from October 2011 to March 2021. There were six OVAs made based on Horisanto Miyamura-kun, not on Horimiya, all done by different creative teams because they released at different points in time the first one released in 2012, in 2014, in 2015, in 2018, and the last two in 2021. These are almost their own art style on top of that. They take a lot of inspiration from the art style of the webcomic, but are also wholly their own. It's very stylistically unique. And then finally, we have the anime that we watched, which was based on Daisuke Hagiwara's Horimiya manga adaptation and was directed by Masashi Ishihama and done by Cloverworks Studio for Tokyo MX from January to April 2021 for 13 episodes. With that, let's jump into episode one and two. Kyoko Hori, the most popular girl in her class, dresses plainly at home and takes care of housework. One day, Izumi Miyamura, the class loner, discovers her secret when he escorts her younger brother, Sata, home from a nosebleed. Hori discovers that Miyamura wears piercings outside of school and has tattoos, but the two decide to keep each other's secrets. They develop a close bond and friendship with each other as Miyamura continues to visit to play with Soda. During this time, Miyamura accidentally exposes his true appearance in front of Yoshikawa uh, on his way to help Hori buy eggs during a flash sale. Meanwhile, Toto Ishikawa, a classmate, befriends Miyamura in spite of his feelings for Hori and tells him that he plans on confessing to her. Miyamura puts distance between himself and Hori until she confronts him, upset that he had avoided her to protect her reputation. The two make up, with Hori explaining she rejected Ishikawa. While talking to her mother, Hori realizes she doesn't know Miyamura's first name and goes through several schemes to learn it indirectly, until Miyamura finally reveals it to her. At school, the student council asks Hori with help on their paperwork. They later accuse her of losing the budget report, but Miyamura proves her innocence by revealing one of the members, Remy, had accidentally dropped it when she bumped into him, as well as headbutting the president of Sengoku during the reveal. They apologize, while Hori reveals she helped the student council out of guilt for bullying Sengoku in their childhood, only to herself, though. As the students begin their third year, Miyamura gives Hori a CD for her birthday, and that's episodes one and two of Horimiya. It's so cute. I mean, okay, so kind of to talk about what we were talking about, a little about what I feel like makes this show so unique, is it's, I don't know, I've seen so many romance anime in my time, and obviously I'm not trying to spoil what happens in the show, but it takes a very different turn and direction than a lot of shows, by which I mean, like, it's condensed. Like, I feel like what this show does in 12 episodes, other shows take 36 to do. Mm-hmm. What I really love most about the show is how genuine it is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not this big set piece story. Like, you know, for something that is considered one of the best animes of last year, you'd you'd almost expect something bigger. But mm-hmm. I think what makes it so popular is that it's so just it's simple but done to perfection like Mm -hmm. every character in this is so well realized their emotions are so genuine to them like anything that any character does or says it feels like something they would do which is especially impressive considering you only have these two episodes to go off of to see what those motivations and intentions are Mm -hmm. but outside of that like you know anime is very uh, intense and has these big plots like even something like last week's episode Kimini Tadoke you know it's very out of the box and you have these very exaggerated characters you know like no like yes people can be mean and bullies but like they're almost kind of 
uh, exactly caricatures. They're all stereotypes. Very much but so. No one in this necessarily fits a specific stereotype, right? No. Like you have tropes that they fall into, right? Like obviously Hori is like a little bit of a sundere, but like she's not a complete sundere. She's right. Like her own person. She has these thoughts and emotions. And Miyamura, like, is it like no one is just one thing? Even the side characters get really well developed in this show. Everything, it's just a well oiled, well designed machine. It doesn't need to be huge. It doesn't need to do something flashy. It just does what it does and it does it perfectly. I completely agree. You get that the sense of the timing that you were talking about. Like, within the first episode, they go from I kind of remember who you are in school to like best friends by the end of it. Even the the school president who is being so mean to Hori and you're like, what the hell? What is going on? And then you realize, oh, she was a bully to him in, I guess, their middle school ages. And But and even that, it's like, it's nothing like, it's more so like, not even fully bullying, like, especially as you learn more about the friendship. But even in those clips, like, it kind of is more like she was just a very like bratty mean mean friend. person yeah like because they were friends like that's you know it's kind of like i don't know i don't know if you guys had this experience in your school experience where you kind of because in school you're kind of just friends with whoever's around you mm-hmm. you know and right. sometimes you're not friends with people that are great to you but i feel like hori was like not even necessarily like i hate this person i'm gonna be mean to them like that's just how she was like she has a lot of pent-up anger and that's just how she showed her like friendship to him and then the second he was like i don't like this and you're gonna regret this she was like fine i'm sorry and then obviously she grew up more she was like i feel really bad about that absolutely i completely agree i did feel kind of bad for him because she was super mean but then she I super felt was bad. yeah but then i both felt bad for her because she has learned and grown and he's just out for vengeance you know I, well he's not holding it over her like she feels bad all he wants from her is for her to respect him and she's doing that but she's doing these excess things like picking up the slack not because he's like do it or i'm gonna tell people he's she's literally like i feel so shitty that i was terrible to you when we were friends when we were kids that i feel like i need to do this for you Mm, right that makes sense so we were talking about you last night lauren uh sure (laughs) okay but we were talking about how, like, you're probably going to feel frustrated. PJ told me last night that you can't handle, like, slow burns. And, yeah. like, and, like <laughs> so many, like, romance anime, uh, we touched upon this, you know, last week, mm-hmm. are slow burns. But, they like, Armia is, like, a pretty slow burn. But it, I promise, it escalates. It, but it's also not a slow burn. I like, say, I don't know. It, yeah. It escalates. It's just a slow burn in the first well, two episodes. What I, again, another thing I really love about this anime is everything feels earned. Yes. Um, and the timing is done well. Like, in other anime, I feel like, I, w- I mean, even in Kimi Doke, the amount of times I was like, now kiss, you fucking idiots. Now yeah. kiss. Was like five million. Just say I never feelings. said that once while watching this because everything feels genuine. Their chemistry is so real and so yes. genuine. And you're feeling its evolution. I absolutely agree. I, yeah, slow burns do frustrate me because I'm always just like, please just kiss. Please just kiss. Everyone knows you love each other. But this I is similar to you. I never felt that. I was just watching this romance grow. And I was like, eventually it'll happen. And I know I'll feel satisfied. And I trust that this show will, will let it happen when it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I love that they just like 
playhouse together, basically. He comes over. He's, like, playing with the little brother. She's cooking dinner and cleaning and everything. And they're just having, like, a good time. Mm -hmm. I also love how the mom is just, like, totally fine with that. Like, (laughs) the mom was so excited to meet him. Damn, that mom? She's a MILF. Stacy's mom has got nothing to Hori's mom. I mean, spoiler a little bit, but also Hori's dad is also so hot. Yes. Well, I mean, Hori is extremely attractive. He's a fucking mess of a man, but he's hot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love him so much. Well, and that's another thing. Like, I like the parent relationships in this movie. It's not, like, Mm, super strict or weird or stressed. Oh, in this anime. In this anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not super, like, weird and, like, Mm -mm. you know, very parental. It's very, like, an honest communication. But it also still does have its downsides. Uh, What is really happening a lot in this anime is Hori's parentification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she has like, to be the mom. She has to be the. She's basically raising her little brother by herself, mm-hmm. you know, and she's doing all the cooking and the cleaning. And, like, you know, the Taking two days where school. her mom was home, all she did was like microwave food for them. Like, and that's not to say that she's a bad mom. She's trying to, she's a single mother trying to provide for these kids, you know? Yeah, she's working literally all the time. I'm not, like, yes, in theory, she's single. I don't think. She's divorced, though. Regardless of if they're divorced, they're not together. Right. Yeah. He is very absent. So I was going to say, in my intro, Lauren, I called her 50s housewife. That was one of my literal nicknames in high school. 50s housewife? Yeah. I was called Cinderella and 50s housewife because literally the life that Hormia, or Hormia, the life that, like, Hori lives is you. was my high school existence that was except I, for the except for the being uh, an amazing student part oh yeah 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. the going home to do everything part very much Skylar. Be, being like one of the yes. best students in the school not skylar and honestly <laughs> though um i had a very kind of like hormia experience too because it was like summertime and i met james and james became my best friend and he literally james kind of looks like miyamura i know (laughs) oh my god he would like come over and just like be there and hang out with my sisters and eat all the leftovers because his mom didn't make any food ever so the Mm. only time he ever ate was when he came over and yeah it was a anytime i like watched them just kind of hanging out and I was just like, damn, that was like that one summer James came over like every single day. And it was a good time. James is a good guy. I like James. Yeah, James is the best. I hope he's doing good. I knew that Skylar had raised her siblings. And when I saw Hori doing that, I was like, oh, I wonder if Skylar is like really connecting with this. <laughs> yeah, I had I had definitely made the like the, you know, kind of having to be the parent of the household re- connection. But yeah, no, as soon as she said James, I was like, oh my God, like you did have a Horimiya, a Sky Jame would, a Sky (laughs) Jame. That, no, no, you need, you gotta. That would be the equivalent. Jamesler is way better. We went with the girl name first in this. You gotta go with the girl name first. But you can't do, no, I don't, I don't like. Sky J. Sky J, tell me Sky J doesn't sound like the fifth Hunger Games book. It, it absolutely does, which is why Sky can do better. Cloud rapper, <laughs> what's up? I'm Sky J. 
that aside though but yeah no i definitely noticed the parent like it's not like full parentification in so much as like she's having to raise her parents too which can sometimes be a part of parentification mm-hmm. which is why like there's this is such a wild out there stretch but i did have this thought where i was like this kind of in a very very slight sense reminds me of twilight <laughs> yeah Oh my God, Lauren, are you ready? This this I honestly am. kind of reminds me of Twilight a little because Hori is very much your Bella, and, but your parent roles are reversed. Like instead of Charlie, you know, having you like your dad that's always working, you have the mom, and then you have kind of like the like aloof out there dad Renee. in this. You know, you have your Renee in the dad and then you have this person who is like the weird quiet one at school that everyone is always kind of just talking about and then outside of school they randomly encounter each other and she finds out that he's more than meets the eye he's not say it say what i am hot alt daddy <laughs> like th- I, obviously that's kind of where the parallels end but like there was a moment where i was like huh this kind of reminds me of twilight one of my draft uh stinger interest for this episode was it's like a slice of life anime adaptation of twilight but instead of being a vampire he's an e-boy so real quick uh there is a um a manga adaptation of twilight so you could go read like a manga of twilight and i i definitely need that in my life i can get it for you but i think that i will pass (laughs) so lauren did you ever read twilight back in the day I only read the first book and I disliked it so much I never picked up another or watched the movies. Well, I just need the first book. So, okay. <laughs> the dynamics between Bella and her parents, because, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about how unhealthy Bella and Edward's relationship is because, like, he tells her what to do a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. But like in a character breakdown, she's so busy running, like being the parent to both her mother and her father that she's like finally like being taken care of by someone. And so she mm-hmm. kind of just like gives into everything because it's just nice to have like someone be on on top of it. Yeah. yeah. I also, I mean, like there's kind of. A lot of times we find things like this because of our traumas and our and our issues. H- Hori in this, what she I think loves most about Miyamura-kun is his reliability. He's always there. Mm-hmm. Right. He even goes to the egg sale for yeah, her. <laughs> but like she was ostensibly like felt abandoned mm-hmm. in life for a long time. And having someone literally just be there with her in life is a big thing for her. And she, he like listens to her and he interacts with her yeah no i it's much more of a partnership than like him taking care of her or her taking care of him i think they take care of each other which is what like the best relationships are mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's so much about this these this relationship even in its early friendship stages that we see in episode one and two that is very i don't know kind of it, it reminds me of what a healthy relationship should be and can be mm-hmm. because you and again this is what i love about this anime is it's so realistic in that it doesn't rely on bullshit romance tropes always right. like well i think about what happens in these episodes where ishikawa is like hey i'm gonna confess my feelings for her and Miyamura's like yeah that's fine go for it and like mm-hmm. you know i don't know she probably doesn't even see me that way so don't worry about it and you have that moment after the he confesses and she rejects him where she's like did you tell him that you don't think we'd be good together 
Or that I'm just being nice to you. And that I'm just being nice to you. Like, is that what you really think about me? But in like, I feel like in any other rom-com, like that would have been like this big thing where they would have never talked about it. And it would have Mm -hmm. led to this huge fight and they would have split up. And then the second they finally had their conversation after like three months and running to an airport, they would have been like, oh, that's not what I meant. I just have a lot of insecurities, you know? Literally, yeah. But, like, they literally just have, like, a like a small blowout and then resolve it through communication. And I was like, wow. That's so, so healthy. Rare. <laughs> that's so healthy, <laughs> but it's so rare in this type of media, right? Like, It really is. Like, they have a misunderstanding. And all of rom-coms are just built on misunderstandings leading Which to bullshit. Which I hate. To I bullshit. hate it so much. Yeah. I absolutely hate it. And in this, like, literally, they just... There's, like, two to three understandings throughout the two episodes. And each time they just, like, talk about talk it. Talk about and it. Move, and are like, oh, okay. Good to know. <laughs> that Yeah, that happened. This is how we feel about it. This is how we're going to move forward. And there's, like... And not to say that it's, like, so... Like, you know, they still have, the like angry blow-ups. You know, like, there's still the hurt feelings. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of these two episodes has hurt feelings in it. Like, and, like, she feels so hurt that he would see their friendship like this. But he has, like, a lot of anxiety about not feeling like he's enough for people. Yeah. And right. so, like, he feels like you're so amazing and you're so popular. And I just feel, like... Gloomy. Wh- I feel like, yeah, I'm gloomy and I'm dragging lame. Dragging you down. And I'm just dragging you down. I relate mm-hmm. to that Im- immensely. I was going to ask, you did you, uh, like, did you see yourself in him, Miramura? I mean, I definitely saw a little bit of myself in Miramura in that, like, that kind of just never feeling, like, enough for people. Right. Always feeling like people are ready to let go of you or that if people knew that you were close with someone it would bring down their social stock Mm. and i mean and it can and it does but i I guess with the right people it doesn't matter to them Mm -hmm. they'd rather be friends with you than have a bunch of random people like them blah blah blah. right exactly yeah but i definitely have that feeling a lot where i'm like gosh it probably you know i even think that sometimes at work like where i'm like gosh people really like lord and they probably like her a little less knowing that we're such good friends <laughs> i don't think that's the case and i also think about that with skylar where i'm like gosh people think skylar's like so fun and cool but then like she's with like that guy really like what does that say about her oh shut up that's yeah I understand feeling that way. I think at some point, everyone feels like someone that they really love and respect and revere, they shouldn't be around them because they're so good and pure and you see all of your faults. I mean, everyone has faults and it's not about excusing them. It's just about loving you with them, you know? Yeah. PJ. <laughs> I guess, the, I mean, I also really, I mean, I relate to a lot of the characters in this, but it's because they're all designed so realistically that right. I see them do and say things that I'm like, yeah, I've done and said that before, you know, like I have felt that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's crazy relatable. I, I watched this a, a while ago. I watched this like breakdown video on Horimiya, and there was this line that really like stuck out to me that I think is especially prevalent in these first two episodes. It was from this YouTuber, Mother's Basement, very popular. They don't need me to promote them, but if you don't, watch Mother's Basement, go check them out. But when they were talking about Horimiya, they said, I think it was something like, we all have different sides to ourselves, And mm-hmm. realistically, all we want in life is someone to feel comfortable sharing that other half of ourselves with. Mm-hmm. And this that's like Horimiya's like, plot in a nutshell. Right. It is. And, and you have that very beautiful moment where they're like, I, I honestly don't want anyone else to see you like this. I like that this is just for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so cute. It's so cute. 
But I also like the like that you have that cute moment, but then you have that like almost like immediate like take back of like we don't really we aren't are we there yet? Is this something I should say? Is this something I shouldn't say? Like, should I feel embarrassed that you said this or should I feel flattered? Like, it's also genuine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes when you have such a, like, a good thing going with your friends and, you know, you don't want to express those romantic feelings because, like, you what could ruin ruins the friendship. It? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what is especially, like, intense about that is I relate to Miyamoto kun a lot with this. If you are someone that didn't experience a lot of love, growing up or in your childhood or in your friendships for a long time it can feel like you you confuse romantic and uh, and friend love very easily right because you're like what i don't i don't know the difference because i've never had one or the other i've only i guess ever had one and then you can doubt like well is that even what this is like am i feeling this because it's romantic or am i feeling this because i've just never been this close with somebody Mm -hmm. right it's true. Very real for a lot of people is not knowing one over the other, which mm-hmm. is sad. And it makes me sad for Miramura. Because, I mean, we've only really seen so far Hori's life and how she's the, the parent in her household. Right. But we, ha- we haven't really seen Miramura's yet, but I get a feeling it's very sad. You know, you could see the sadness in him and that sense of rejection mm-hmm. and that fear and the shyness that he has, you know? Mm-hmm. There's clearly a lot of layers to these characters, even right. like little stuff like, you know, going back to like Ishikawa, right? Like he has such, you know, a real kind of connection with everybody. Like, you know, like he kind of starts to develop that friendship with Miyamura, but then he feels mm-hmm. weird because he's like, are you into her? I'm kind of into her. And then like they kind of talk each other through it and he confesses his feelings for her and it doesn't go well. And he kind of just tries to go back in the next day and just be friends. But then the second she even talks to him, he like kind of can't handle it emotionally. He's like, I gotta go. Yeah. I oh. I love how fast Miyamura and Toru became friends like they did yes they like you see them like have that like fight and then like the next time they're like hugging and they're best friends and I fucking love it it's so fun because yes we do see Miyamura and Hori fall in love like that's the whole like big overarching plot of the show but I love that because he meets this girl and because they become friends he also starts making other friends yes it's so nice it's a big it's a big thing because like he is so alone all the time and she really Mm -hmm. brought not just herself but like so much more into his life too yeah again very much relate to this part because i have a lot of social anxiety Mm -hmm. and i pretty much always go into any situation whether it was anytime i moved to a new school because i moved schools a lot growing up or even when i start a new job i'm very much like all right i'm gonna keep to myself this is like where i'm just gonna do my own thing and just always there's just like one person who's like hey i'm going to adopt the surrogate sad boy you know (laughs) (laughs) um and they like become friends with me and then it leads to me making other friends like heck sometimes i don't even like necessarily like not say like that we stop being friends but like don't even stay friends with that person but like they almost like open me up to other people i haven't watched a lot of tv lately so maybe i'm out of the loop is there like a sarah mclaughlin commercial to like adopt a surrogate sad boy out there (laughs) if we still did uh fake ads in these episodes i would definitely put that in there (laughs) 
Konnichiwa, my fellow weebs. No big news this week, just another apology for the slight delay in this episode, but this time it was to make sure we could try to avoid delays in the future. We took some time over the last few days to batch record our next few episodes, so we are ahead of the game. But if you hear an outdated reference, well, you'll probably think nothing of it because all we make are outdated references, but now we at least have an excuse. Head on over to our Patreon if you're ever wanting some additional Kawaii Desu content. All three of our January bonus episodes, the Reduce Redo for Kakiguri, our anime pitch meeting on Lauren's Murder Twins prediction from our Cardcaptor Sakura episode, and our January wrap-up are all available for patrons at all tiers. Speaking of Reduce Redos, we just had our poll for February's Reduce Redo, and our patrons have chosen to have Lauren watch Yuri on Ice. So if you're excited to hear what Lauren thinks of History Maker or those sweet gay figure skaters, if you want to say in which anime Lauren watches next month, or just excited to hear all the content coming on down the pipeline and what's already out, you can find us on Patreon by searching for Kawaii Disappointment or by going to patreon.com slash kawaiidesupod. A special shout out to our wonderful patrons, all five currently Super Desu patrons, our $5 tier, Nene Killua, Magical Girl Charlotte, Brad the Bard, and our two new patrons joining this month, Alex J and Rebel in an Isekai. You're all pretty Kawaii Desu in my book. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Kawaii Desu Pod, or go to kawaiidesupod.com for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. That's K-A-W-A-I-I-D-E-S-U-P-O-D.com. Spread the word about us, and if you feel so inclined, leave a review on iTunes. It really, really does help, as does leaving a five-star review on any of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify. We will see you all again next week as we continue through Romance Month with Toradora. Now, back to the podcast. But I mean, throughout all of this, like you get so much, again, just so much development, so much character work. But in on top of all of it, it's still just really even regardless of how sincere it is, it still has some of those, like, fun, big anime moments. Yeah. You know, like, when she blows up in rage and, like, just, like, beats the fuck out of people. When he freaks out it. with his tattoos. Um, I love when he headbutts the president. Oh, my God. That... <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is happening? But also good. Yeah. And again, it's moments like that, that then that's where the anime medium allows it to kind of exist in that comical realm. Because I mean, Mm -hmm. if you did that in real life, like that'd be such a big deal. Yes. You know, such a big deal. And like the amount of times that Hori just like fucking axe kicks (laughs) Yamuda and shit. She is. (laughs) She's, I mean, yeah, she's violent. She's, I understand. She's super angry. She just takes it out on him. And you get to, but like you get to kind of accept it as like a comedic, you know, almost like a slapstick thing. Even like mm-hmm. the hit, like the headbutt is almost like it's so glossed over because it's kind of just like something that happened, which mm-hmm. that's a very like cartoons and anime like appeal approach to that. Mm-hmm. But again, it's also just funny. It's just there's so many funny moments in this and nothing's mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I'm like dying laughing, but you just, yeah, that was a very enjoyable, delightful, funny moment, you know? like It like, it stops it from getting too like cutesy the whole time. I agree. And again, that's where it comes with that genuineness of like, life can just be funny sometimes. Right. Yeah, I did there was one part that made me laugh a lot and that's when Hori was describing Miramura to her mom. And she's like he's kind of like the dark villain in a detective drama and then <laughs> that was just like a running bit the mom was like oh you're the dark villain friend <laughs> it was He's really cute i like how obsessed the mom was with getting alone time with him yes to the point where she sent hori out so it would just be her like she's like i need to meet this boy 
one-on-one, not even like shovel talk, just like I need to meet this boy. So do you, have we explained what a sundere is to you? I think we did. If you did, I have forgotten. So a sundere is like a character trope, like character, like personality. And we definitely see it with Hori, but mm. um, not to like an annoying level as it can be. Basically, it's a character that likes someone and like low keys mean and bullies them because they're like trying to hide their feeling, their romantic feelings for them. So it's like when a girl mm. is up or a girl or boy uh, bullies another child because they like them so much. Right. Yes. Okay. Which is, you know, not great. And a lot of tropes are just like, I don't like you, Baka. Like, just bullshit. Like, <laughs> I do like, speaking of the character, like the weird character tick of Hori that if she says Baka, she just has to keep saying it. And she just, just like can't over and stop. over. Yeah. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. But that also reminds so, me so of, I love just the little brother. Yeah, like, he's lo- not annoying at all. Yeah, no. so many kid characters in anime are so fucking annoying. That's because kids are annoying, though. They they really are. But kids like are the he's worst. he's kind of just there. And he serves his narrative purpose, right? He does, and I Which mean, is a link still... between the two of them. Exactly. And yeah, and he is still childlike, but he's also very mature. I feel for his age, where he's just like, this is how things are, you know. But yeah. I also. I feel like he immediately starts calling him Big Brother. Immediately. And so, yeah. I mean, which is like a, a very like popular trope just in general for like little kids with uh, other people that are like older than them. But it totally happens. Like I, I remember uh, when I was in like middle school, like elementary, like mostly in middle school and my sister in high school started getting boyfriends. I remember getting really attached to those boyfriends. Mm. Right. Did you start calling them Big Brother? But I was going to say, like, again, it's going back to kind of like playing house. Like they go home and they're like a mom and a dad to the little brother. His name's Soda, right? Yes. Yeah. But also, I think that also speaks to the parentification almost that like he obviously sees Hori as his sister. But I think part of him also kind of sees him as a his second mom. mom. He sees her yeah. as his mom, right? Mm-hmm. Versus Miyamura is able to have a more sibling relationship with him. Because mm-hmm. there's no connection. Because there's not that same, like, I have to look over you. I have to, like, do stuff for you, like, and protect you. It's very much like what a sibling relationship is, which is, like, we have Let's just go have like, fun. Yeah, let's just go have fun or let's not or whatever. But, like, he kind of is looking for that connection that he doesn't have. And he, yeah, and he finds it. Oh, that's so cute. I love this realization we've come to. <laughs> There's one moment in this anime that we have like not talked about because like we've been talking very big about like themes and like we've been deep diving into like the emotional impact and the importance of this show. But there's like one weird ass fucking moment in this anime. Oh my god. And it's right at the beginning of episode one when you have the fucking teacher. <gasps> the oh, sexual yeah. predator teacher. <laughs> the sexual predator teacher. That's also <laughs> what I called him. Where That's he's like what I put in my notes. Hey, Hori, cheer up. You want to know something good? I like flat girls. So chin up, girl. girls. He's acting like she's not super fucking popular and like everyone's in love with her. So like... (laughs) Oh my God. He's negging her. He's negging her, Skylar. Yeah. Ugh. He's going to start a podcast. Oh my God. Low value women are seeking out high value men and we need to put a stop to it. 
<laughs> you know what women don't be doing? This is officially the Kawaii Desu Meninist podcast. No. Oh, God. No, no. Uh, absolutely not. Disgusting. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. That was fucking weird. That was, oh my God, it was such an uncomfortable vibe. And even when she was talking to her friends about it, she's like, yeah, I just like whatever he's it literally serves no purpose either but again i also think it's very real like yeah girls have to deal with like weird ass fucking male teachers yeah and you know it was a very good way to characterize the teacher very quickly you don't really see him again at least not in these episodes but i know when i see him again that he's a dick and i do not like he's a fucking creep yeah yeah so i instantly have feelings about him with that one line of dialogue, you know? And you're like, and not good feelings. They are all bad. Can Miramura headbutt him, please? I would love that. <laughs> headbutt drop, all predators. Dropkick him? I don't know. I'll let Miramura decide. He can do what he wants. Just physical altercation, please. Seriously. So there's only a few other things I wanted to touch on just because I was like, oh, I don't know if Laura knows uh, exactly what this means. So there's, there's a point where they call him, they are theorizing what he is and they theorize that he's an otaku. Do you know what an otaku is? I do not. I was very confused. There's like a lot of uh, different terms that have been used throughout time to characterize people who are really into like anime, anime culture, or just like nerdy things. So there was always like the big debate of otaku versus a weeaboo. Uh, and a weeaboo is kind of where we eventually got weeb from. So weeaboo was someone who was not Japanese, but was obsessed with Japanese culture, like anime, manga, whatever, versus an otaku was typically a Japanese person who was into that stuff to a social detriment. Like they were so into it that they were like a recluse or they only... You know, their relationship was with their anime body pillow. Like, that's an otaku. That said, though, weeaboo is are also not a good thing because it's very culture appropriating. Yes. They're very, uh, like, it's not, you don't want to be a weeaboo. No. And that's kind of where weeb was born from, which was kind of like a send up or like a take back of weeaboo. Like, it went from like weeaboo to weeb, where weeb, instead of being like, hey, this is like an American person who's obsessed with Japanese culture, almost to like a weird level it became more just someone who's really unapologetically into anime and stuff like that like you're just openly into it so that's i don't know just like a mini history for you in the otaku weeaboo history (laughs) it's literally like weeaboo is almost like you're doing it to an obnoxious and problematic level versus like weeb kind of became like almost like a self-deprecating alternative version of weeaboo where it's like yeah i'm i'm a weeb i'm a fucking weeb it's like when you call yourself a nerd yeah it's kind of become like its own term in the sphere and in the spectrum the other thing I wanted to talk about was why it was such a big deal that he doesn't want to show his tattoos. Yes. I had assumed it was against their school policy. You're not partially not wrong. Yeah. Okay. But what's really big is there's a very, very strong bias against tattoos in Japan. Oh. It, it's um, it's pretty much seen as the only people who have tattoos. So like tattoos are not illegal in Japan, but like there's a lot of things you can't do if you have tattoos. Like you can't go to hot springs, anywhere where people are going to see you shirtless or exposed. If you have tattoos, you can't go to it because it's typically seen that people with tattoos are criminals. Like, criminals. Oh, my God. So, but that's because back, 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 back in the day, the government would uh, tattoo criminals so everyone could see that that person was a criminal. So as it went, um, you know, as time went on, the Yakuza and just 
crime in general, they're like, yeah, I get this. This is like what I am. And especially like your older generations, but you know, we're always going to have an older generation see it Mm. in that way. And obviously those traditions and those mentalities pass along. But yeah, like most like hot springs, gyms, like public pools won't allow you in if you have tattoos. Whoa. So you guys couldn't go to public baths in Japan? Well, I mean, there are certain places you have to find them. I literally had to like specifically look on a list of like onsens that allow tattoos and it's very few. Yeah, but it's because like obviously as you as time moves on, the the taboo is slowly going to fade. But Japan is a very culture-based society, so it's going to take a right, long time. So. But there yeah. are now establishments that are starting to be like, we get it. People just like getting tattooed. But mm-hmm. that's why it is such a big deal, especially that he's tattooed. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he has a lot of piercings and a lot of tattoos, but I was like, a lot of kids do here. So. Yeah. Uh, watching this, PJ was like, not the tribal tattoos, though. Why tribal? Yeah, tribal tattoos they are so pretty cool. like douchey uh, in America. <laughs> If you have a tribal tattoo, I just assume you got it while you were drunk uh, on Four Loco. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. You're total fucking Chad. That aside, the only other moment I really wanted to bring up was the moment where she realizes that the only music she really knows is anime music. <laughs> because it, it did obviously was like, I was like, oh, this is Skylar's Wii playlist. And all she, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. Skylar's Spotify playlist. And her Spotify wrapped are always like anime songs or anime covers. <laughs> also very well versed in popular music and old music and all types of music yeah not like hori and i think it's so sweet that he gives her like a cd of music he likes it's something that we talked about recently that one of the most genuine gifts you can give someone is something that you love that you think they would like too like for instance like lauren for christmas gave me some of her two of her favorite books uh and we were telling someone about that and they were like that's a great gift because it's more thoughtful than almost anything because you're like this is something that's important to me let me share it with you right Mm -hmm. and i just yeah it's a cute gift but i do love that she kind of is also denial about how much anime music she knows (laughs) and i also wanted to bring it up because i think it'd be a perfect segue to move into talking about the anime music of horimiya yeah so let's talk about that intro and outro. So our intro is Color Perfume by Yo Kamiyama. Lord, what did you think of that intro? It had some of the most original visuals I've ever seen Absolutely. in an intro. Stunning visuals. Yeah, I loved all of like the the windows and like the you know how they kept opening, closing, bringing up new stuff. It was so cool. I loved watching it. The song was fine. I enjoyed it. I thought it was okay. I think that's going to be the general consensus. Is this song is oh, it's okay. It's yeah. there. It's nothing it's, special, <laughs> which is sad it because it is such. My attention. Yeah, but it's especially sad when it's a good anime. I'm always mm-hmm. sad when a great anime has a okay LP or ED. I mean, I'm less I'm less sad when it's an ED because that's more easily skippable. Yeah, right. for sure. 
but definitely like this. Like if it, uh, the way I described it to Skylar is like it's on an album you like, but it's like the seventh song that you like sometimes keep on, sometimes you skip. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. That's the perfect way to describe it. For me, it makes me feel like I'm standing in line, like at a coffee shop, and I'm like phasing in and out of like what's going around me. Yeah, it is excellent. Like background music, you could play this, you know, like at work or in a coffee shop or just something for ambiance. You don't necessarily need to be paying attention. Yeah. I really like uh, the visuals, like stunning. Oh, my God. I yeah, I was so captivated. I almost forgot about the song because I was so engrossed in what was happening in front of me, (laughs) which is fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I do love that it's called Colored Perfume because throughout the anime, when you have these like really intimate moments like the backgrounds kind of turn white and it's almost like um, an aura kind of like floats off of them Mm -hmm. and like it's a signifier that like oh something like important is is happening right now yeah not to go off on too much of a tangent but when they had their like mini fight when they're talking Mm -hmm. at first their R's are kind of drifting apart from themselves to the left like away from them but then Mm -hmm. when they start like discussing it and coming to a realization they come back in from the right onto them i don't know it's very beautifully done the way that they do these things yes this op is so middle of the ground that we're just going back to talking about the anime not the visuals (laughs) yeah well i mean like the name is better than the song no it's again it's a fine song so like let's we don't have to talk about it anymore we can move on to that outro song which that outro is promise by friends Lauren, what did you think about that outro? It was stronger than the intro um, as far as the song goes, but I was distracted again by the visuals and like the the fact that they were like in a game. Yeah, it's isometric. The yeah. art style, um, and I'll show you what I'm referencing because I'll see if you agree with me, uh, but I'll say this for our listeners and for Skylar. The art style of the the little figures that they are reminds me so much of those Q-Posket, uh, like that band Presto sells that I personally mm-hmm. don't like love, but I'm going to show you real quick, Lauren, just so you can see yeah. if you agree. Oh, I absolutely agree. Yes, this is 100% what I saw in the outro. That is what that reminded me of, but you're right. It's very much the stylization. It's like an isometric video game. Yeah, you're right. It's like two clicks better than the intro. But it's still one of those like background songs. Yeah. It's definitely an anime ending song. Yeah. Which yes. is sad because you don't have a strong OP to like counterbalance it. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, they're fine. Yeah, the art definitely. Again, a lot of the music is just a little too understated for me, mm-hmm. um, especially for like how many feelings the anime evokes in general. So it's kind of disappointing because music is like, literally so important to me this is it's really cute and it's good it's just not great Mm -hmm. but like the voice is really pretty i agree yeah no the singer is incredible 
Yeah. It just is. Yeah. Like, you know, they're just somewhere in the middle of a good album. Mm hmm. I completely agree. Let's find out what type of albums they would be on, though, by moving on to our segment. What modern or contemporary artists do you think would have done a good job with these anime intros and outros? Lauren, why don't you kick us off with Color Perfume? I looked into who I thought could do this vocally and stylistically because it is unlike anything I've heard before. But I think, I think that uh, Justin Bieber could do this. More modern Justin Bieber, not like classic Biebs. Definitely with that addendum of it's more modern Bieber, because at first I was like... Yeah, not baby, not baby Bieber. But no, you're (laughs) right. Some of the more modern stuff is a lot more that like soft... Sad boy. Soft sad boy music, which this Mm -hmm. kind of flows into for sure. I think you totally got a great choice here. I wish I had put a little bit more thought into it, but I just like wasn't feeling it i uh i think uh vibes wise they do pretty good and their voice match up enough um obviously (laughs) i wish i would be more passionate about my choice but i went with the script specifically their song break even i really like that song i agree it's not a super close match i see what you were going for for sure though yeah i think that he could do a good cover of the song but it it yeah but i think you know the vocals are there. Meanwhile, I did do more, th- put more thought in than Skyler, but I also <laughs> am equally not happy with my choice. <laughs> Lauren's definitely taking this one. Oh no! But I went with like trying to match the vibe, but I couldn't find an exact match for the vibe. I tried to match the vocals, couldn't find an exact match for the vocals, but I just kept coming back to the same artist and song. And I don't think it's perfect, but it's Your brain there a little saying bit. It. It's just yeah, a yeah, teensy yeah. bit there. Upside Down by Jack Johnson. It's very like jam bandy to me. Like it seems like some, mm-hmm. like a group, like a guy just like playing guitar on like a beach. Oh, you know, I like, was that's definitely the vibe listening I to I was definitely considering fish at one point. So yeah, no, I completely. That's that's how I think I ended up with Jack Johnson. Is more like what it, what type of song it is, more than what song Mm -hmm. it was. You know, I think you and Skylar, if you put Skylar's vocals in this vibe, it would go well. But Lauren obviously uh, put the uh, had the the (laughs) only one that is like an actually ready ready to eat meal of an answer. Honestly, like voices, like vocals there. Uh, like the same kind of pacing. It just feels like real sad. <laughs> That's why I like this. Like, this is perfect. Um, all right. So let's move on to our outro. All right. Lauren, who did you pick for Promise? So I don't know if my vocals match up super well, um, but I went for more of the vibe of the song. I think Katie Toonstall could do this. Love Katie Toonstall. Yeah. Katie Toonstall. Uh, Other Side of the World is the song that I thought. I think you totally nailed the vibe. The vocals are obviously deeper, but it's hard to match mm-hmm. the type of types of vocals we tend to get. Oh yeah, uh, from yeah, female Japanese singers in uh, American or even like European music. Mm-hmm. But the vibes are definitely there. Thank you, thank you. Who did you go for? Kind of tried to go for vibe as well because I I just could not lock down vocals. I did try to mm-hmm. get as close to vocals as I could, but even then I was like, yeah, I'm I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I'm going to go more for the vibe. And this is going to be a weird one, but like, hear me out. I went with Lisa Loeb specifically, I like stay. Knew it. I like passed <laughs> that song, and I was like, someone's probably going to go in this direction. Wow, that vibe is. On yeah. point. That is right there. I absolutely no, 100%. agree. No, 100%. Honestly, it, it almost, like, they're all, yeah, no, so far, like, honestly, they could all be, like, the same song, but, like, from different singers. <laughs> like, I remember, 
like one time I went to a Barnes and Noble and they were just playing this album, but it was like the it was that song Hallelujah, but it was just sung by different singers in different languages. And each one was like, this is the same song, but it is so unique in its own right. That's kind of what we've right. got going so far. So let's see if Skylar can round that out. Oh, let's go. Let's go. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. sorry. Oh, no. Come on, Sky. You got this. So I definitely went into it. I, <laughs> I pulled a PJ. No. No. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I pulled a PJ as in I chose one of his favorite artists to choose. Um, and I went with like Carly Rae Jemsen, specifically No Drug Like Me. She has like the higher register. And I think like one of her more slower ballads like would really match up. And like I like the pacing. Honestly, this song would have been perfect for the intro, actually. Vibe wise, uh, it's like a little too somber honestly but yeah. vocally phenomenal choice i think you're the closest obviously vocally. uh i stand uh carly ray jepson obviously yes. love the queen yes um, so you get bonus points for me for that but yeah i think vocally <laughs> vocally she hits the register very well absolutely yeah agreed the vocals i think you got the closest the vibe was a little off that said, though, um, phenomenal choices all around. I think we all fit somewhere on this on the spectrum of the song. I would listen to any of these, and I think it would be a good time. But with that said, that is the end of our music segment. So we're going to take another quick break to watch some additional clips, some additional context, and we'll be right back with Lauren's closing thoughts. So stay tuned. Hey, time! I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's heck time? All right, we're back. We got to learn watch some additional clips, some additional context, some additional relationship moments, fights, happy times, and maybe even some kisses. Throughout so all of that, though, you know, we kind of we kind of talked a lot this week about kind of what makes this anime so different in the romance genre, regardless of it being almost so basic in a way. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's got such a genuineness to it, as we've already discussed. And you know, we've talked about what makes it that genuine part. You know, whether it's like the real emotions of the people, the real development, the way that people talk through things. But what I think makes our podcast especially genuine is that we just naturally flow into these conversations, right? There's no there's no script we're following, which is why all right, let me uh turn the page here. Uh which is why <laughs> uh which is why it is time now for me to ask you, Lauren, the most genuine question we have, which is Lauren, would you keep watching Horimiya? You know, this was one of the the healthiest relationships that I've seen, even with the um, sub-dom context that I saw. <laughs> but I think that uh, Hori and Miyamura make a great couple. I love the realistic depictions of their world, the connections we all make to the characters. So I would definitely call this a success. Whoop, whoop, that is a kawaii success in the book mm -hmm. for a gold star anime. To this month. Because again, no guarantee that there will always be a, a kawaii success for a gold star, but we got one here. Yay! And that is a two for two on Kawhi successes for the month. Let's see if we can keep that trend going. Uh, you always love to see it. Mm -hmm, Tell mm -hmm. me, you like this anime a lot. Did you end up with a favorite character? I did. It's Miramura. He's so he's so sweet, and I need to protect him at all costs. Absolutely love Miramura. Oh. What about you, Skylar? It's Toru. <laughs> I just love like his like fast friendship with him and like how Ishikawa. Yeah, I love is, how is Toru his first name? Yes. Oh, I just assumed you're talking about a different character. I did too. Wow, <laughs> did not anyway, realize it was the same person. Ishikawa, 
is my favorite character. Ishikawa. Yes, he was hilarious. He's so yeah, funny. Ishikawa is great. Is I absolutely too? love. Uh, I'm very torn. I I tend to really love the best friend characters, which is why I also love Yoshikawa because Yoshikawa has a lot of tropes and a lot of traits that I also really love. Mm-hmm. I I really love the big four of this. I heck, I even love some of the side characters. I do think at the end of the day, I do have to give it to Miyamura because I do <laughs> relate to him probably the most. Right. Yeah. Ishikawa has a lot of the like rejection relation I have. <laughs> oh. whereas Miyamura though just a lot of stuff reminds me of stuff that I went through but yeah that's why I love uh, Miyamura oh he's such a sweet little boy awesome well you know we love it we love that you love the anime we love that you mm-hmm. love these characters so with all of that that's still not the end of the episode though because it's time for is there an AMV for that AMV anime music videos is there an all right, Lauren, you know the rules. Give me a song and artist for Horimiya. I want to say I picked this song before I saw the context, so this makes it even funnier. <laughs> uh, I went with the uh, the vibes that Hori and Miyamura were so protective of each other, and so I went with Treat You Better by Shawn Mendes Ooh. before I realized that she had a thing for being Bad. dominant. <laughs> All right, Lauren. Um, also, before we get into this, I say having a consensual, you know, degradation kink is fine. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. I think that, you know, more power to them. I just don't know if I would have picked that song if I'd watched the entire show. Well, I'm glad you did it because there <gasps> are a, quite a few treat you better AMVs for oh Horimiya, which means you get three points in oh. the book. A success here in Romance Month. Oh, I'm so glad. Now it's time for the super oh. secret, not so secret bonus point. Is there an AMV for Horimiya to Evanescence? Bring me to life. Before you answer, can I say Skylar had to do an assignment yesterday where she had to do voiceover on a on a presentation, mm-hmm. and afterwards she's like, "Should I do sexy ASMR?" And I feel like this is Skylar trying to like test pilot test. her sexy <laughs> ASMR. Oh my the, god! The voice I just did, Lauren, was literally yeah. my whole report last night. Lauren, <laughs> do you think it will exist? Um, we don't have. Girls who might sense ghosts this week. So, with how slice of lifey this is, I'm gonna say no. <sighs> Lauren, oh. you'd be absolutely right. Oh there are no <laughs> AMVs. What a twist for Horimiya. <laughs> he keeps you on your toes. For <laughs> Horimiya, oh, for Evanescence bringing you to life, which means that you get four points wow. this week. The coveted four-pointer match with a kawaii success. You absolutely love to see it. Wow. Can you want anything more? Yes. Oh. Plenty. Oh, um, okay. But that said, we'll wait to see in future episodes if we get any of that plenty. But that is the end of this episode. <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much for going through this journey into another anime with us this week. Of course. I hope you had a good time, mm-hmm. a fun time. But I more importantly hope our listeners had a good time, a fun time, a Horimiya time, a Sky J time. <laughs> oh, boo, you whore, Amiya. Boo! Boo! Okay, well, boo you whore me in time. But (laughs) until next time, we hope your wait isn't a kawaii disappointment. I've been PJ. I've been Skylar. I've been Lauren. And we'll see you next time on 
Kawaiidas. <laughs> I didn't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, bye everyone. Bye. bye.